For those of you who are new and don't know who I am, my name is Connor. Shalom. It means peace. If you're taking notes tonight, you can write down this as a title, Saturday Nothing, While We Wait. While We Wait. You know, it's interesting, we always celebrate Good Friday, the death of Jesus, and we always celebrate Resurrection Sunday. It would be weird if we didn't. It would be a unique weekend, Easter weekend without Sunday. Uh, that'd be awkward. But in a practical sense, thousands of years ago, there was a, a day between Friday and Sunday. And that day was Saturday. <laughs> Thank you. I got a degree in theology to learn that. You've clearly never paid for a theology degree. If you're cheering. <laughs> Friday was kind of a dark day, I would say. In a lot of ways, again, Jesus is crucified. Saturday is a day of great, or Sunday is a day of great joy. I would argue that Saturday is the darkest day in history. If you think about that actual Saturday, put yourself in the footsteps and the feet of the people who followed and believed in Jesus, who encountered him, and who began to recognize that this is the promised Messiah, that he was the savior sent to save God's people. That he was the promised king that was healing and transforming people and changing lives and bringing true hope to a people who were really hopeless. The day that went by after his death had to have been the most grueling, painstaking, longest day in history. Imagine that the person that you've put all of your hope in, that you've been waiting for, that you've heard about for thousands of years, shows up on the scene, reveals his goodness, reveals his power, reveals his love towards humanity. And you think he's going to write everything, that he's going to restore the kingdom that God has promised. He's going to sweep in on a white horse and just take down everyone who's ever caused injustice. And he gets put on a cross. Saturday. Nothing. A very silent, dark day in history. Can you imagine the pain that they were experiencing? And the hopelessness in that moment. Have you ever had a Saturday? where you feel like there's this combination sometimes of this pain because of something tragic that's happened that's mixed with confusion and shock because you received this terrible news that you could never have imagined or expected. And you're so physically sick because of the pain. Or maybe it's a, you know, seemingly in the world around you, your world is just spinning in chaos and 
you recognize this chaos in the spiritual because there's no sense of peace and there's no sense of calm on your insides, but almost to the point where you're literally, you feel like as the world around you is spinning, that it's physically squeezing you and it's, and it's taking the breath from you. Or maybe it's you have a Saturday because of something that you've done and you've committed something really, really wrong and you've done something evil maybe against someone else or something extremely selfish and now you're recognizing the pain and the consequences of that selfishness and you know, you're saying outwardly that God has forgiven you and that his grace is enough for you but, and you're putting on a smile and you're trying to reconcile that but deep down inside of you, the weight of the shame, the weight of the guilt is so heavy that even though you're trying to say the right things and raise your hands in worship, that more and more as that weight begins to set on you, you feel like you're being crushed by it. And you're wondering, will this shame ever be lifted from me? Have you ever had that type of Saturday? Or maybe the anxiety has set in so deep and depression has come on so strong that you're constantly just, you cry out and you cry out and you cry out and you cry out to God. So much so that you're literally physically, you're maybe you're wailing or you're, you're in, again, you're in this, there's this pain and there's this actual physical manifestation of something spiritually that's going on inside of you and it's pushing so hard on you and it's wearing you out so hard that you literally, you just go to sleep because you don't know what else to do. Have you ever had that type of Saturday? I, I wonder if the reason why we don't celebrate Saturday in between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday is because we all know how real Saturday is. But we're trying to ignore it. Because the thing that we are, especially as Jesus followers, where we have accepted a promise from God and we, we believed in the Savior who was hung on the cross and now we know about Sunday. Back then they had no idea that Sunday was really gonna come, although Jesus had told them about it. They really, they, they didn't know what was coming. We do know what's coming, so you're gonna have to go with me into this moment. You know that Sunday is coming, but here's the reality. Sunday, in the way that they understood it and the way that it's been promised to us, may not come really for a very long time. In actual resurrection, our Saturday arguably could rest or last the rest of our lives. That we could live in this world and be followers of Jesus and, and receive a promise from him and be healed by the Savior and set free and all of these things, yet we're still subject to the pain of this world at the same time. We're still subject to Saturday. We have to talk about Saturday. Because although the pain of Saturday may not, on this side of eternity, ever fully leave you, I think if we had the right perspective on Saturday, then we can take back authority and power and peace over the weight of that darkness and the weight of that burden that Saturday presents to us. And we can walk on this side of eternity free from that dictator. Saturday doesn't have to destroy us. It's interesting. I love the scriptures 
in John chapter 16, it's, um, you don't have to, well, you can turn there, you're all, I can hear you all turning there. <laughs> Again, just to, to address the elephant in the room a little bit. Because if I'm totally honest, when I think about Saturday in the scriptures, when I think about this day in between death and resurrection, I don't want to believe that it's real. I don't want, again, I trust God, I I love Jesus, and I know that he's made a promise to me, but there's this thing inside of me that doesn't want to deal with the pain, that doesn't want to address the burden and the chaos that comes with this world. And there's a scripture in John chapter 16, Jesus says in verse 33, he makes a promise to us. And his promise is this, in this world, you will have trouble. What he's saying is, I guarantee you that Saturday is going to come. But then he goes on to say, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Now, that's true, and Sunday is coming. But I want to talk about how we properly understand Saturday. Because here's the thing. It says in Proverbs that hope deferred makes the heart sick. There are a lot of people in this world, to continue to run with this metaphor, where their heart has come to this place where they don't even believe in Sunday at all. They don't believe in this idea that there is this guy, Jesus, who is God, and he stepped into humanity, and he lived this perfect, sinless, incredible life, only to then subject himself to this torture tool called the cross so that he could pay for a spiritual price, yours and I's sin, only so that you and I could then re-enter back into relationship with God so that we could actually live this life free from sin. Now, when you think about that, not believing in that, the idea that God so loved you and I that he would give away his only son so that you and I could be in relationship with him, the, the idea of not believing in that is kind of wild. Like, what better news is there in the world? But there are people who don't believe in it. And I think it's because of Saturday. I think sometimes Saturday weighs so heavy and Saturday lasts so long that the heart becomes sick because our hope is denied. Our hope is challenged. In John chapter 11, there's a story of Lazarus. Maybe you're familiar with this story. It's really interesting Jesus comes to Martha and Mary. Their brother Lazarus has been killed or he dies. He's sick and he dies. He's been dead for four days. And they had called upon Jesus and they were waiting for Jesus to come. And Jesus took his sweet time. 
Don't ask me why. I don't know the answer. But he takes a sweet time and, his, and, and Lazarus dies. And Jesus shows up eventually and Martha, awesome Martha, who like the craziness of the world could be happening and she would be in Jesus' bosom, his chest, just totally in awe of him. Don't we all wish we were Martha? And Jesus comforts her and he assures her. But then Mary is waiting back. She knows that Jesus has come. But she's been waiting too long. Jesus didn't make it in time. Mary was having a Saturday. And Jesus shows up and as the scripture says, this is what Mary says. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was, she finally left where she was to go meet him. She fell at his, at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I think this is the real problem with Saturday. Is pain and tragedy and darkness happens. And the deepest question in our heart, and both not just a question, but blame in our heart, goes towards God. And we ask God, God, where were you? That's really what Saturday symbolizes, is this place inside of us where we're subject to the chaos and the pain in this world, and we come before God, we come before Jesus, and there's this tension because we believe in God, we believe that he's good, we believe that he's sovereign, that he's over it all, and that he's in control, we believe that he's made a promise to us, but our reality is not in alignment with that promise because there's pain, and there's death, and there's trouble, and there's hurt, and we say, God, if you do love me, if you really are real, if you do exist, why were were you not on time? Why Saturday? Have you ever asked that question before? Have you ever got a... I forgot what it's called when you give someone a... No, not a pink slip. Risha's either not listening or she's in trouble. I don't know. <laughs> when you get sick and a doctor gives you a, no, not a prescription, a diagnosis. Jeez. Altar team, be ready. You know what to pray for. <laughs> you get a, a diagnosis that not only is tragic, but totally just blindsides you. You're healthy and you love the Lord and you're doing all the right things and the doctor says the C word. Or you get a phone call in the middle of the night and it's the police department on the other line to inform you that your son or daughter or your loved one did not make it through the accident. Or someone calls and tells you the one you love with all your heart, they're just not feeling it anymore. That they've fallen out of love and they need you to sign some papers. 
where you just come to this reality where you realize how selfish you are. You don't want to be selfish, but you just couldn't control yourself. You couldn't help yourself. And you see on the person that you love so much how much you've hurt them and how much you've destroyed them and how much you've broken them down. But you don't feel like there's anything you can do to write that. And you ask God, God, where were you? I think that question and what Saturday does is it reveals the problem inside of all of us. There's this, uh, if you talk to people, I don't know how, there's this idea philosophically called the problem of pain. You're like, Connor, why did it take you so long to say that? I don't know. And the idea is this is, in light of all the pain that we see in the world, that because of that pain, there couldn't possibly be a God who is in control and who actually does love humanity. Because if he was all-powerful and he was all-knowing and if he was love, if that was who he was at his essence, then there would be no way that this pain exists. That's where this question comes from. That's what it reveals to us, is this, this problem inside of humanity that recognizes the pain and wants to believe in a God, but can't reconcile the two together. So we cry out on Saturday, we say, God, where were you? But as I was preparing for this and I was praying, and I get, I understand that. I've asked that very question, but even today as I was preparing I felt like what God said to me was, Connor, the deepest problem is not that pain exists in this world and the world thinks I was absent. What I felt like God said to me was the problem, Connor, is despite Saturday and despite the trouble that you go through and the things that you lose and the things that are taken from you and the pain that you experience, the thing that breaks you down the most is the absences of those things, not the reality that I'm present in the midst of it. See, the problem is not where was God? Because as Jesus followers, we believe that because of Jesus' death, Saturday and his resurrection, that he is always present. That's why he went through everything that he went through, so that we, when we would go through everything that we would go through, we would know that we have a God who doesn't just sit cosmically far away and mock and scoff at what we're going through, but entered into our reality, went through everything he had to go through, so that when we went through everything we would go through, we could know that he is with us. So the question is maybe not so much, God, where are you? But maybe the question that God would ask us tonight is, 
when everything is stripped from you and everything is taken from you, is my presence enough? Mary had Jesus with her. Lazarus had died. She had the right to be broken and experience pain. That's normal. The reason why we experience that is because God did not intend humanity for it. All we were ever supposed to know was the perfect love of his presence. That's what we were created for. And something went terribly wrong. So now we are subject to the consequences of the brokenness of humanity and our own selfishness. And sometimes the consequences of those things are terrible and painful. And the reason why it hurts so much is because we were not created to experience that type of pain, but we are subject to it anyway. And the answer to the problem of pain is not that God is absent, but that God is present in Jesus. That when no one else is there on Saturday, when no one else can comfort you on Saturday, that he is there on Saturday. That when it doesn't feel good because it won't feel good, when you, when you get to the point where the music isn't enough and there aren't enough words to comfort you and you don't know what to believe and you feel like you're totally falling apart on the inside, your whole life you've been faithful to God and then everything just falls apart and everything's a mess and you say, God, why and where are you? That we would come to this place where we realize That Saturday is just a part of the time while we wait on the promise that we will one day be with Jesus forever. But the second half of that promise for this side of eternity is that he, was with, that he is with us in everything. I felt like to, to say that to you tonight, if you're taking notes and you don't know what to write down so far, write this down. God has made two promises to us. That for those who believe in him, that we will be with him forever on the other side. But for also those who believe in him, while we're waiting for that day, that he is with us on this side. And is the problem, the problem of pain in the absence of everything we've put our hope and our trust in? Or is the problem on Saturday that somewhere deep inside of heart, we've allowed our heart not to be satisfied with Jesus' presence and his love for us? I was in uh, Portland, Oregon. We had a pastor's conference thing. And one of, uh, one of the other young pastors in the area, we were talking and I was, we were just talking about what God was revealing to him and speaking to him. And um, when you're young, you think a lot about the future, probably too much. I have a tendency to be ambitious and want to do a lot of different things and always got these crazy ideas. 
my, I was, my wife and I were on vacation. I was like, what are you? I was just telling her all this stuff. And she was like, maybe you should just focus on one thing and try and do that. Can be pretty hopeful and optimistic. Maybe uh, an idealist in a lot of ways. And I was talking to this other pastor. He's, I think, similar. And what he felt like God had been saying to him was, you know, if you wake up one day and your wife is no longer there, you wake up one day and you don't have a successful ministry, you wake up one day and you don't have any finances, you wake up one day and you did get a bad diagnosis and you don't have any health or good health anymore, you wake up one day and if you wake up one day and you feel like everything is stripped from you, am I enough for you? So the church in America has to ask. Is Jesus enough for us? Because I think if we're honest, you know, it can be so easy as Americans, people who love Jesus and we're doing our best, but I think if we're honest, we can get caught up in a lot of other stuff. You know, you hear, I don't know if it's like this in other countries, but you hear so many stories of people who were one time following Jesus and they loved him. And then they're not. I heard a story, this one guy, this is probably not the only story. He's a pastor at a successful ministry. Now he's an atheist and he's debating other pastors, trying to convince people that God is not real. I wonder if it was because of Saturday. He knew about Friday, and his hope was in Sunday, but something inside of him couldn't wrestle and understand Saturday. Go back to the scriptures. Prior to Mary's question to Jesus, again, this chapter is really interesting theologically. It makes you think about a lot, but Jesus essentially gets this Tweet. Just making sure you're still following me. Yeah. He gets this letter from uh, Martha and Mary. It says that the one that you love, Lazarus, is dead. And he waits. Again. Saturday. Why would he wait? But he takes his disciples and they go back. And again, he greets Martha and he gets to Mary. And the scripture goes on. 
says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It says this, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved. The good news of what we believe is again, even though God is in control and he is God, that he is near to us and he is deeply moved at our affliction. In his spirit, he was greatly troubled. He said, where have you laid them? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then the one verse that every Christian has memorized because it's two words. (laughs) Jesus wept. I don't know how many times I've heard people say that. Even before I was a Jesus follower, I would hear people kind of mock at this verse that Jesus wept. And maybe you've become desensitized to it because, again, we have quoted it so many times and we hear about it in Sunday school and all this different stuff. But think about this. Try to put our predispositions to the side and just enter into this moment. The God of the universe who spoke it into existence and his creation betrays him and does this whoring dance for thousands of years. He finally gets tired of it and just reveals the fullness of who he is and loves unconditionally and lives this perfect life. And he comes on the scene, God, God. Again, sometimes we're like, we get, it's way beyond even what we can really understand or comprehend, but God stepped out of wherever he stepped out of and subjected himself to the pain into Saturday. And he weeps. The promise is not that we wouldn't experience pain as Jesus followers. All of humanity understands this issue. I was with someone who's not a Jesus follower, and we were just having like this really casual conversation and he, then he just like, I don't know how it got brought up, but I had triggered this thought that the world is messed up. And he just went on this crazy rant about how broken the world was. So everybody gets it. And I'm thinking to myself for that guy, but how does he deal with it? Is his heart sick because of Saturday? Because I think on his Saturday, he has the same pain that I have and you have, but he doesn't understand that Jesus meets him there and weeps with him. I'm not here to tell you, and we're not going to ever tell you as a church that if you start to follow Jesus, that all of a sudden all the issues are going to go away, that you're not going to ever be subject to pain anymore, that you're not going to get a bad diagnosis, that you're not going to fall into sin and chaos. We hope and we pray for all of those things. We want to be people of faith and hope and belief for God to do supernatural, miraculous things. But the reality is, is sometimes you have Saturday. 
And all I can promise you is that even when it doesn't feel good and you don't see him, and in your head and in your heart, you're questioning and you're doubting and you're going through all this, it's okay, you're a human being. If you have doubts and you have questioning, that's okay. Let me tell you what's happening. You are created in God's image for a specific purpose, primarily to experience the fullness of his presence and his goodness towards you. And the reason why you have this dissonance inside of you that can't understand the pain is because the image that you were created in, the, the inherent being and essence that you are, being God's child and daughter, is processing and registering, this is not what I was created for. The question is, is from that point, will you say that even though this is not what I was created for and this sucks and it's painful and it's tragic and I don't receive that diagnosis and I'm waiting on my healing, but I'm waiting and it doesn't feel good and it doesn't look good and no one seems to be optimistic and people keep trying to comfort me with those words, but those words don't feel good and I'm trying to raise my hands, but I don't feel anything with my ra- when I raise my hands and deep down it's dark inside and it's cold inside and you're wondering will Saturday ever pass? The question at that point is will you actually believe and say to yourself and speak over your life, even if it sounds crazy to you, that Jesus is with you on Saturday. Seth, you can come up. It says in verse 36, the Jews said, when they see Jesus weep, they said that, They say, see how he loved them. (sighs) I think the other thing, you've heard the phrase, don't shoot the messenger, right? Okay. Just making sure. Maybe that's your second subtitle for your notes. Don't shoot the messenger. (laughs) I don't know if this is any consolation to you. I don't know if it's consolation to me, but I think this is what the scriptures are telling us. That when we do go through pain, even pain unspeakable and pain seemingly unbearable, when we experience Saturday... But deep down inside of us, we cling to God's presence in the midst of that. That the world will see that God is actually good. You have to know that. And I know that's not easy. You literally, it's, it's crazy when you're in that moment. This is why Jesus says, I give you my peace. And when Paul talks about that peace in Philippians, he talks about it as peace that transcends understanding. But the world is looking for God. And we're looking for healing. 
we're looking for hope, we're looking for purpose, and often where we're going to see it in a broken, dark, and hurting world is when God's people, despite the pain and despite the questions and despite the doubt, have the courage and the belief to say, and I don't say that in a way where it's like, be, you know, figure it out, be courageous, because again, I get how hard it is. But even when we feel most vulnerable, when it hurts the most, when it sounds as crazy as it sounds, that in the midst of us, we believe John 11, verse 35, that Jesus weeps with us. We believe in Gethsemane that when he is sweating blood and he's crying out to God, is there any other way that he's entering into our reality when we say to God, God, is there any other way That when he cries out on the cross, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? That in that moment, Jesus enters into our reality when we cry out, God, why have you forsaken me? And we can take peace in that. That we can believe when Jesus promises us trouble, not because he's initiating it, but because it's the byproduct of the broken world that we live in that we can take heart in him. When he says, my peace I give to you, that we can actually say, God, Lord, I receive the peace. Right now my body hurts, my mind is in chaos, my soul hurts so bad, but I believe in faith in your word and I believe in the presence of your spirit and I know that you are in control and I know that you are good and I know that you prepared a place for me on the other side and I know that I'm going to be with you forever, but I know that you're here with me now on Saturday. proof of God's love for us is that he's with us on Saturday. I invite the prayer team to come up. If you'd stand with me, we're going to close. Let me read this quote to you. I got the title Saturday Nothing from this book written by a worship pastor from Moscow, Idaho that the world has probably never heard of. But it's one of the most profound books I've ever read. And it's called Saturday Nothing and it's a memoir of his life as he was waiting on Jesus. And he quotes Matt Chandler, who's a pastor in Texas, This is what Matt Chandler said, as quoted by Justin. He says, my favorite thing about Jesus is that no matter what you're going through, no matter how bad it gets, you can't say to Jesus, Jesus, you don't understand. Because he does. And sometimes I believe he came to earth to simply be able to whisper to us on Saturday, I know, and I'm here with you. Let me read you another quote. 
then we're going to sing this song. I don't know who this one is from. Maybe it's from the author. It says, until we allow the love of God into the deepest places of our despair, we've not yet found home base. We're still wandering. I don't want another Saturday to go by in any of our lives where we, again, not that you can't express pain if you look at the Psalms, most of the Psalms, which is wisdom literature. So what God is saying is, here's wisdom for you. Most of them, the primary majority of the book of Psalms, the genre is lamenting which is the psalmist crying out in agony. So if you, just the composition of that book in the the narrative of scripture, what God is saying to us is it's okay for you to cry out. But you have to know that I'm there with you in the midst of it. So don't go another Saturday I don't know how hard it's going to be for you. But you have to know that he's with us in the midst of it. And his love wants to go to the deepest corner of our heart that's broken and battered and shameful. And it wants to heal that place and bring life to that place.